doing this show has allowed me to gain just so many decent transformative relationships that I probably would have never had. Like, Joe, I met Joey at a comedy show because I did this show and somebody invited me to it who I had had on my show. I met Kai was probably one of the first people to like follow me ever <laughs> when I started my, my IG accounts. So, I mean, you know, I, I've lost relationships too. And, and honestly, they weren't that decent to begin with because I mean, heads think I'm just going to remain the same person I was in high school and be stuck with them in their 15 year old mentality. And, I, and listen, I'll keep this short because you both know I'm with the shits and I can go all morning. But I no longer invest in anyone who doesn't give me interest. You see, some people who were here before ain't here today. And like, I'm not going to beg anyone to pay attention to me. I'm not going out of my way to call when they should be calling me. I'm not doing any of that transactional shit. And the other thing is, too, I'll tell both of you that, well, everybody's going to see this, but it's the, the three of us talking on here. A lot of people aren't safe. Like, they'll lead you to believe that they're in your corner and they're helping you with the eaves and the studs when the whole time they're trying to build their own house on your foundation. But see, you know, okay, I, I keep coming with deeper and more shit all, all the time. Wait a minute. Look at that cuss bank. Okay. Wait, wait, Chris, I guess no, I'm, not, you I'm not going Chris, out the I, I, No, I have a question for you because I think a conversation, right? It goes back and forth. All the right, Kai, have... Kai, and then we got to go into my cuss bank because the cuss bank is like going up higher and higher. But go, but go ahead. Yeah, no, you, you, the pers- quick question, the perspective you had of, if you're not there for me, it's, you're, I don't need you anymore. What, what, how did you get to that enlightened point? Because some people feel that way, but they don't know how to express it and really feel like, ah, I, doesn't, I doesn't feel good, but I so need them. Like, how did you get to the point of, I got to leave you behind? Because a person, you may not remember what someone did, but you remember how they made you feel. Because I don't like to feel anxious. I don't like to be upset. I'm an upbeat, happy guy, genuinely. And when something takes me out of that, I don't like that feeling. Because see, now I'm triggered. Now I'm going back into, you know, elementary school or being bullied or something. And I don't like that feeling. I got a lot of slack for like that type of mentality. Like, because I compartmentalize people, which is not... Like, I'm the type of person, like, I had plenty of relationships that are very one-sided. Like, the reason why we're so friends today is because I'm the one that's actively keeping this friendship alive. I can't do that. If you're okay with that, like, I was okay with that. I'm okay with, like, Mm -hmm. we're not, like, I call them, like, my drinking buddies. I only drink with you, and you are only my drinking buddy. But if I say that, then some people are like, "Yo, you're you're an asshole." You know what I mean? You're a jerk, bro. Like, you good, Joe? If, if they're if you just just drink with them, like, why don't you like if, if if that's all they are to you, then what's the point of that? Like, because that's my that's what he's that's the point. He's he serves one person. This is my party friend. This is my academic friend. This is my smart friend. It's my job friend. Totally, and I, I get keep, that. Like, I keep them in these certain spaces because. That's where they're best utilized and that's where they best fit. But then people people look at me as you're more ut- you're 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 using them for utility purposes. And I'm like, no. But also if it's one-sided, I can use them any way that I want to because they're not actively engaging back the like the the friendship. I can understand if I'm just drawing everything out of them and then not giving them anything back. It's actually the opposite. I'm giving them everything and I'm I'm reaching out 
when it's convenient for me. And since they don't care whether I hit them up or not, then I feel like it's a it's a mutualistic relationship like that. But it can get really dicey when you do stuff like that because it's like, are you guys really friends? Or are you guys are you just using that person to to fulfill some sort of some sort of niche or need that you have? I think it should go both ways though. Like, you know, I get I totally get what you're saying, because I compartmentalize also. I think a lot of people should like try to do that. That would help with a lot of just the drama we see on social media with friendships and family. But even if we are just drinking buddies, you need to be hitting me up talking about, hey, let's go have a drink too. It shouldn't be that I'm doing all of the legwork in this relationship. That shit is exhausting. You know what I'm saying? Even with, you know, like family, like it shouldn't be that I always got to call you to see my nieces and nephews. You should be calling me to see your nieces and nephews. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. Like it's just... It can be exhausting, but I do agree with you, Joe. I think that it's good to compartmentalize. You have to put people in different boxes and different spaces. Everybody is not meant to overlap. They're just not. Um, like years ago, I used to have like five different Facebooks. I had a Facebook <laughs> for um, people I knew from like elementary school and like growing up. I had a Facebook with people from high school. I had a Facebook with people from college. I had a Facebook that was kind of thotty and I had a Facebook, you know, with my frat brothers. I mean, I just had different ones. I'm the same Chris, but I know these people from different junctures of life. Um, but someone left a comment for me on YouTube and they said they like my show, but they told me I have a cussing mouth. <laughs> so I said, so listen, I said, why don't I start? a digital swear jar, a.k.a. a cuss bank. So right now on the screen, I have the price list up. So there's something called Watershed. And Watershed is pretty much anything you can get away with on TV after 10 p.m. And the others are self-explanatory, like combinations like motherfuckers, shit like that. Oh, shit. See? But the upside is, the upside is, I'm going to donate the money to charity at the end of the season. So hopefully some of you all out there might want to match the donation. That would be really dope. Um... These are only for me, though. You guys can talk how you want. I'm not paying for your sins. Oh, I was about to say. I was going to start firing. I'm not paying for your sins. Nope. Yeah, I was nope. going to fire but, them off. Nope. Not, not doing it. But, but moving on, I usually don't do celebrity stuff on here because most of them are just like pretentious, rude, insecure assholes. But this was out in L.A. Shout out to L.A. Um, Lauren showed up late and people complained. Oh, she's so always she, late. Exactly. So, so she snapped on the audience. She was like, you know, y'all lucky I made it. But I'll save my comments for now. Joey, you, you jump in, you take this, and then Kai, you go right after. Yeah, so, like, so with Lauren Hill, like, because she's, because she has such limited amount of work, and not to discredit the quality of her work, you know what I mean? Like, she, like we all enjoy her music and things like that. But she's not she's also an older artist she's like there's a lot more that goes to that so people have a different expectation of her if cardi b comes an hour late versus lauren hill coming an hour late they're going to treat them both different because of the level of celebrity they are you know what i mean also celebrities are late i've been to a snoop dog show where he comes in an hour or two after he's supposed to be there show starts at eight o'clock his set starts at eight o'clock he's not there until 10 o'clock or something like that beyonce was the same way they said they, 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 the, the show starts at six o'clock. She doesn't really get on stage until like nine, 10 o'clock. 
So what were you doing for the three hours of sitting there watching, watching production set up the show? And that's basically what you do. You just wait for the show. And then once the show is there, you enjoy the show. It's the greatest show ever. And then at the end of it, you're like, okay, everything was worth the wait. So it's, it's like, it, that's part of the entertainment business. Being late is part of that. So I don't think it's anything outrageous, but also People want it. People are going to try to discredit her her work just because you don't. For you to be almost like you're wasting my time. You should be happy that I'm coming to see you because you have such limited work. And also, with the amount of limited work, you're now you're getting mad at me for you being late. And I should be grateful that you're even performing after I paid the ticket money to even come see you. So there's a lot of things going on, but that's pretty much, I feel like that's what the sentiment is for the people. Like you're, you're doing too much now. Like you're already like, you only have five songs and I'm coming here and I already paid the $50. Like the least you could do is if you're not going to be on time, but don't be egregiously late. Cause then now I feel like now, now I feel disrespected. At I got a story about that for Kai, you, you go. I mean, one thing you said interesting, Joey, was like, it's a business, right? And I think with any business and transaction, right? I pay for goods and services. I expect those goods and services to come back. And if it doesn't happen, I want a refund. And I think even with any other conveniences, I um, there, 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 there's rules and clauses for things, right? If you don't show up or something happens, I get a refund. You know, when Beyonce is going pregnant, I went to Coachella that year, the year prior, I got my money to go back and get see her the year following. I think sometimes you forget the fact of I'm enabling you to have this type of success because if I don't give you my streams, my views or whatever, you're not going to have this. You're not going to be able to have a show. You keep making excuses. It's not just this one time. The fact that she's known for this is not just year or two. It's decades of this, right? And I think about it, again, we say business. That's her fault, the fact that she only had one body of music she can go off of. That she has to do interpretations. She didn't know the deal. She didn't do the interpretation. So now she has to do all these different things for the same album, make new music. If that's what you really want to do, but she don't want me about the business, then don't be mad about the way the business goes out. We know music is, I won't say shady, but there's certain things of how you go about it. 360 deals, everything else. But those that have success, they have success for a reason because of the business model. If not, then there's a reason behind it, right? Beyonce, yeah, she might be late, but you know you're going to get two hours, you know the set, you know you got to go pause or whatever. You know what you're getting. You're getting a showstopper. Lauren Hill, is she in the mood? Beyonce might be sick, but she's gonna give you the best show. So I just look at it as if we're doing business, you gotta give me my expectations back in business. And there's no excuses. Really, worst case, cancel and see what happens the next time, and we'll go from there. That, mm. again, that's not you. It's just the fact of Kai is I, the finance guy. So <laughs> anything Kai says is gonna go back to money. So as Kai is talking, all I keep hearing in my head is if somebody doesn't show up to the show. Dispute, dispute, dispute. Get on the phone with your credit card company and dispute that shit. But but here's my thing. Here's my thing. (laughs) So (laughs) with age comes compassion. So the me of 25 would have probably been like, fuck her, she only got one and a half albums. She ain't no Beyonce. But the me of today understands that Lauren could be going through something. And if I'm going to go to one of her shows, I need to bring snacks, I need some Uno cards, maybe a folding chair and a puzzle or something to keep myself occupied while I wait. 
But I mean, I also know how to separate the artist from the art because she has exhibited some bratty, ungrateful behavior to her fans. But so has R. Kelly. And years ago, I went to that Best of Both World show back in the day at the Garden with, um, when he showed up like six hours late because he was up at Rutgers playing basketball and eating at Sylvia's and shit. Yeah. But I was there for the music. And granted, he's done some fucked up shit that landed him in prison, but his artistry is undeniable. Now, he wouldn't get my money today. But, you know, anyway. Kai, what's in your Shazam? I find myself at a, a, a crux of my life right now where, you know, being a millennial, listening to old school, so that makes me feel good. But then old school nowadays, if you go to 94.7 in New Jersey, New York City, is Nelly and all the other stuff, the 2000s, and that's old school nowadays. And it's weird. It's like, oh, shit, what happened to this remix? But at the same time, being in New York, being on the block, if I'm, you know, hanging out, doing community service with some of the young boys, where are they listening to, right? Where's that connection point? So one thing is really understanding of this crux of drill. And for me, I grew up on Chicago drill. Chief Keys, Little Dirk, we're talking Little Reese, all that stuff that I was drill. Now it's new stuff. You can't keep remixing, you know, Ray J's One Wish. And now I'm like, wait, when is it going to drop? It's something else. So it's always when I'm on the radio, like, I'm getting ready to be like, yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? Who's this? Groovy B and little whatever. I'm like, I don't even know. But it's honestly just trying to see what's the new scene of New York. But the thing is, it's trying to be hit, but I'm also learning. I got to stay in my lane. I'm getting more and more when I go out. I listen to what I want to listen to. Honestly, it's all the new stuff that I'm just like, you're t- when any song is less than two and a half minutes, I question it. But you know, that's social media's fault. That's social media's fault. That's these fucking record executives, they, you know, that, that are trying to tie everything. They don't have attention spans anymore. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you mentioned something, and then Joey, I'm going to go to you with this. But you mentioned something about the block, 94.7, shout out to the block, um, playing, you know, like stuff like Nelly, like stuff that we remember because we're all around the same age. And my mother listens to a station down in Philly. And it's called Classics. It's 107.9, I want to say. And it's so funny when I go visit her and I hear Crush On You. And I'm like, when I used to play this, you hated this. But now this is your station. So they're playing all the songs that I grew up on. And they're not playing the stuff that you grew up on because it's way, way back in the day. You got to get a serious, you know, subscription for that. But now you don't have any other choice. But um, Joey, what's in your Shazam? Um, so my Shazam, like, I'm more of a like music astronaut. I like to like, if I'm like, I might be at a like a Korean hot pot, and then I might just Shazam something in like something in the background, or I know like there was an American Eagle. I was at American Eagle. American Eagle or like Express, they always got a banger in the background somewhere. So I'll just Shazam something like that. So I don't know exact songs. Like there's nothing like that is coming straight to my brain as like, oh, I you got to hear this. But definitely like if something catches my ear just in passing, that's what I'll Shazam because I won't know what that is right off the top of my head. And then if um, once I Shazam it, then I'll put that into my Spotify and and add that to my like list and playlist like that. So about 
500 of my like 1800 Shazams because I'm just looking through, through them. Like about 500 of them are, are smooth jazz. And yo, I love smooth jazz. Like when I'm in a car, I put on the, uh, the watercolors channel and it makes me feel like really classy, you know, like driving around with the smooth jazz. <laughs> that new Andre 3000 album. Listen, the Andre, Andre has like outdone himself with this album. It came out last week. So listen, listen, guys, it's only like 10 tracks, but the tracks are like 20 minutes a piece. Like it's, it's a freaking, like he's playing instruments. It's, there's very little rapping on there, but it's, it's like, it's an experience. Like it is, it is an immersive experience. Andre 3000 had an interview talking about how he's 48 and he's like, as you get older, you can't rap like you were, like how you used to when you were younger. Like, not saying that he, he gave up on rap, but meaning that he he doesn't still have that same, um, like, not saying relevancy, but it's, he's like, I don't, like, he's not young anymore. He's a 48, almost 50-year-old man. So the things that he's rapping about are not going to be the same. Th like, he's not, he's not in the club popping bottles and doing all these other type of things like you assume he's like what he said was kind of funny he was like what am i supposed to rap about like i have to go get a colonoscopy or something like that and i thought that was kind of crazy because that's yeah we're, we're older now but you got the what do you a 50 year old rapper what is he rapping about well there's some 50 year old rappers rapping about the young boy shit but they have ghostwriters and it's obvious we're not going to say who but, but you know just saying. it's rap's only genre where you can't get old you have rock and roll artists, you too start making albums, right? And they're yeah. people still love it. Rap, you're 48. It's like, woo, I mean, you're pushing it. You know what? The fact look at the Nas has a reemergence, right? Nas is dropping Nas is a monster though. Nas is, and, yeah. and he and he talks about being he doesn't he was never he's he's more lyrically like better than other people that he doesn't have to talk about. He could talk about all the things that he's doing, business ventures and things like that. You don't have to talk about bitches and hoes. Yes. But E-40's still yeah. doing the same thing and having fun on the West Coast. Like, I, it, it's but weird. now, that's a totally different type of rap. Like, that's some, like, that's that hyphy, that's that dance rap. Like, he could do that forever. There are with literally one foot in the grave. And people, re listen, people refinance their houses Billy Joel, just to get tickets. Does I, my mom took me to go see uh, Philly Collins like a year ago. Like I was, I seen Phil Collins and he sat the whole time. Yes. He's that old, but I still enjoyed it. Phil Collins. In exactly. He's dope. <laughs> He's dope. But, but I'm sure that that place was crowded, Joe. It, it was, was crowded. Not a, it was standing room only. It was crazy. See? See what I mean? But then our acts, like our R&B acts, some of our funk and soul acts, they can barely sell tickets because people are like, oh, they're old. Why you want to go see them? Like, but this is our music. These are our people who shaped and formed our musical culture. And you're not supporting them. Do you guys have any favorite Christmas songs? Kai, I'm going to go to you first. You know what? I think talk about music and variability. I have a artist. every artist had a Christmas album. The ones that come to mind are uh, TLC's Christmas album. Real Talk. Bangers and Sync's Christmas album. They had some bobs on that. You know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Like, let's go off, JC. But <laughs> to be told, Sync, <laughs> TLC, uh, Ryan Carey, pretty much everyone had a Christmas album. I think Whitney had one too. Like, it's a thing. Even Bryson Tiller has a Christmas album. Like, that's how 
is actually fire though. I'm not gonna listen. lie. We need the OJs, we need the Silent Night. So that's why I get excited for the the our versions of Christmas. <laughs> Go ahead, Joey. Um, I like controversial Christmas songs like The Baby is Cold Outside, like I used it. I like that song. I always thought it was a funny song. But I just found out it was controversial last year. I didn't I know no it idea. got rapey. And then, it, then, it, then they, then you read the lyrics, and I'm like, yeah, yeah but this is like, and, and you got to remember, this is like 1960, I think, seven, 60s, 70s, or something when that song came out. So probably before that was definitely, yeah, it could be even older. I just know that in 2023, everything got a little rapier. So. I don't know, but that uh, yeah, baby is called outside. Still, uh, still takes the cake as, as one of my favorites for sure. Baby, it's cold outside. Was written in 1944. Exactly. And popularized in the 1949 film Neptune's Daughter. So okay. 1944. <laughs> that's like 79 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you got to think of how things were back then. I mean, people were getting married in their teens. Yes, for then, sure. And no one batted an eyelash. Um, but for me, but for me, one of my all-time favorites is This Christmas, Donny Hathaway. And I used to play the 45 single over and over and over as a kid on my mom's record player. And shout out to my mom, she's watching it. And a lot of people, um, depending on where they grew up, hearing it on the radio, don't know about the refrain in that record. And I can tell where folks grew up by how they sing it. Like if you, so Joey, you grew up in, in New York. You grew mm-hmm. up probably listening to BLS and Kiss. They played it on BLS and Kiss. Okay. But when you grew up, they didn't necessarily play that full version on the radio. Right. Um, also, Denise Williams, Do You Hear What I Hear? I have that on repeat when I'm in the gym this time of the year because it's, it's very boppy. Um, what else? Luther, My Favorite Things, Best of My Love by The Emotions. Even though Best of My Love isn't a Christmas record, it just puts me in the spirit. I mean, Madison Avenue pretty much made it a Christmas record, and it's in C major. And if you're a music person, you know that C major is one of the Christmas song keys. And something else, um, this is going to sound crazy, but like, you know, I just, I go down a rabbit hole musically. Soon as I get home by Faith Evans, always sounded like a Christmas song to me. And that's in A flat minor. It's a kind of a sad key, but they're all good records. At the Luther record, I play it all year round. Fight me a little bitch. <laughs> all year round. But let me get your thoughts on this. So there's at least one expert who believes that the singularity, the moment when AI, artificial intelligence, surpasses the control of humans could be just a few years away. That's a lot shorter than current predictions regarding the timeline of AI dominance, especially considering that AI dominance is not exactly guaranteed in the first place. Ben Gertzel, CEO of Singularity Net, who holds a PhD from Temple University and has worked as a leader of Humanity Plus and the Artificial Intelligence, I'm sorry, Artificial General Intelligence Society, told Decrypt that he believes AI general intelligence or AGI is three to eight years away. AGI is the term for AI that can truly perform tasks just as well as humans. And it's a prerequisite for the singularity soon following. Joey, you're the science guy. I want you to take this. So AI is, uh, it's like the gift and the curse. It's, um, it's, it's that 
it's that Pandora's box. Like it's it's like modern medicine. It's like anything like that can be used for good or good or used for bad. Like in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. Like my friends are using Chat GBT to rewrite emails or to formulate whatever they need to. But I used it also, for the show. <laughs> yeah. Also, you have you have it where there was a, a scientist. He he has um, he uses the AI to make different molecules that will help people like will help that will be used to make medicines. But he was also thinking like he did like a little experiment just for a day and it spooked him so bad that he actually canceled it. He said, well, if I can make the AI give me a list of of good drugs, let's say. What if I change the algorithm to instead of it being the one, let's make it zero so it gives me the opposite. Let me find the he said like the things that were least toxic, what are the least toxic materials? And then he turned the AI to make what make show me the combination of the most toxic material. And then when the AI started spitting out real like things that he could make or things like that, it kind of scared him. He was like, What if other people are doing this? We can have an outbreak or those those rogue agent type of things that can be a really real thing and seeing how fast these things can go it only takes one little mistake like oh i didn't mean for it to go like that i said i said the i said the autonomous robot free into the world and now we can't find him anymore because he's blended in with everybody so now now we're in a different like in a different type of situation so it's it can be very real and everything like that so i it's Hey, I don't, I don't really know. I look at two perspectives. One, responsible AI, just like facial recognition software, right? You have to have the responsibility of the companies to say, does the good outweigh the bad? What are my parameters of the logistics of the standards of going, of, of you know, practices? What are the regulations? You know, what can we do? And what can we not do with this? Because at the sake of profits, are releasing something that's, un, you know, censored? What about aunts, cousins, aunties that don't know how to work in their job because they're at the lower skill wages? How do you make an inclusive future of work that everyone can participate, make the money to do things, right? We can upskill, we can learn a new skill, but cousin who just got out, he's not really going to learn how to be this. He has certain limitations. So if AI is being used to replace those lower wage jobs, what are they supposed to do? And not everyone can work at Amazon. So in the work I did in that published research for, those understand how do you make sure that the work is something that people can participate in the future? Because, you know, look at the pandemic. Someone might be a cashier and they're thinking, oh, I'm losing hours in the store. No, we're getting more self-checkouts, which is more technology in the workplace. It's not because you're losing hours, because you're getting replaced. But now what do you do next? You don't have the skills. You don't have upskill. You don't know how to use chat GPT. You don't know the prompts. So how do you ensure that companies and everyone's responsible, your local governments to say, I'm going to make sure that people can upskill for the future. So that way, they're not having as many benefits and welfare on me. They're actually contributing back with their taxes. So this is actually the biggest thing that people need to worry about is the fact of people are losing jobs if you can't upskill. And what does upskill look like right now? It's no more learning Python and this. How do you be, what's a prompt engineer? That's a new role that came out in the past 24 months. People really need to learn about how do I participate because, oh, I don't need that. You ask people, right? Uncles in their 50s or aunts, they're 55, they're close to retirement. If AI is going to replace your job, what are they supposed to do? Be a Walmart greeter? They're not, they can't retire yet. They don't have the money. They need to be able to do that. But they're going to learn a whole new technology at their age. So what are we doing with this? The fact of it's not just what it can do for the future, you know, terminators more so. How can someone make a nine to five off of this? Knowing that they're going to get replaced. 
And no one's thinking about that, but then in five years, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, replace my computer. I don't know what to do now. And no one's thinking about that, but we are able to upscale, but how do we make sure the rest of our community can do the same? And no one's thinking about that because not just, no one wants to be a coder. No one wants to code. I need to be able to make it means for me and my two kids, but I don't know how to because no one taught me about these different technologies because I was I was not part of the inclusive future of that work. So honestly, it's more so how do we work with colleges, workforce programs and say, hey, these are the jobs and skills you need to train people. So that way in two or three years, they can get somewhere. They're not just a cashier. They're actually not stuck. But it's always a problem until it's, it's too late. And we yeah. always get left behind. So what can we do for our leaders in our community to say, I'm taking care of my, my fellow Black person to say, hey, learn this thing or be aware how this works. You know, we all have iPhones, but are you actually using it for the full advantage or no? A lot of people aren't. And so that was my concern of how do you make sure that people can work? Because I'm not concerned about me. I'll learn this. But my brothers, my cousins, and this is the thing they're saying, people in the art. If you're an artist, you're losing it because now we're generating it. So honestly, I'm more concerned about how do you make sure that people can actually work versus, you know, getting replaced and things like that. I am so but glad that I picked both of you for this. Both of you were hitting on everything that I'm going to talk about in this video. And just anyway, Joey, you was going to say something. I just had to say yeah. that. Because um, when he he's, he brought up art, which is interesting, because art is something that is super subjective. Can a can a machine make art? And technically, a machine can make anything, but is that still classified as art? That's the question. I mean, is, I mean, with the the uh, the writer strike, right? They're going to use people like this to say, "Hey, I got your capture image, <laughs> and I can use your image for in, in perpetuity for the rest of your life. I don't need your actor anymore." That's and crazy. that's where you see all these sites with like, oh, give me your image. If you're like, stop using this. Even YouTube just came out with something, right? They're like, you got to label it as AI generated content now on YouTube or it won't be posted. And so art is subjective, but I'm not going to pay $5,000 that someone didn't actually make. Like, if I ever, and that's the thing about art because it's the value placed on by the beholders. And we're all going online. It's like NFTs, right? NFTs had a value and now it was art, but now those things sell for $300,000 and now we're worthless. And that's the, the subject, is the technology. So I just look at it as art, it, it's subjective at the same time, we're losing a form because now where's the actual soul behind it, I guess. You know, like, it's like the record label, they had that one rapper that um, my friend would tell me on Sony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Exactly, but it was, it was a white generated saying the N-word. Yes, yes, the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's art, it's music, right? But at the same time- Using it for bad, using it for bad. So Gertzel says that singularity could be in place by 2031, which really isn't far from now. And here's my thing. We get all of these technological advancements, but they keep getting made in the wrong direction. Like if this is gonna help close with the, the digital divide, then I'm all for it. But it's probably going to be used for some iRobot nonsense. I mean, here's a stat for you all. 98% of the internet is inaccessible to people with disabilities. So how about they spend that money to truly close, just truly eliminate equity gaps? Like, I just want to wrench edit and bell tree win on, on this AI shit sometimes, man. <laughs> Little Windows joke. But now something I didn't know was that AI was driven by the military as a national defense tool. And that's interesting because the development of the internet was funded by the Department of Defense. It wasn't uh, Al Gore or, or 
um, Beyonce or whoever it is that y'all say it's their internet. Michelle Barat's um, internet? <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, come on. Um, I mean, the digital divide, though, is is why a lot of people end up getting scammed on social media. And, and Kai, Joey, I feel it coming. I feel it coming. And, 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 and you know that the cuss bank is about to go up. It's about to explode. Mm-hmm. So here's my deal. Here's my deal. Here's my thing. People also get scammed because they'd rather watch and listen to some popular bullshit garbage from some unlikable motherfucker than to actually get educated by an expert. I mean, you got dumbasses out here paying thousands of dollars for seminars and courses and scam brunches to quote unquote learn from some scam likely head asses some shit that they can learn online for free. I mean, like, who raised you? Seriously. Yeah. And, and the more I think we're moving forward as a society, social media just lets me know that we're not. Like, we've regressed so much in the last six years that it's not even funny. And, and honestly, those solar flares can't come soon enough, but... <laughs> Blow the air. Let's go. It's like that, I remember back in the day, that meme, like, read a book, motherfucker, read a book, read a book. That whole, like, commercial that happened. And it caught me off guard, but it's like, yo, who's actually reading? And it's tough because, like, you want to save your fellow man, but I got to take care of myself. But I just worry that at times we sometimes may talk from a position of privilege and say, oh, you should do this and do whatever. But not everyone has the privilege to do that. And then sometimes put myself in those shoes and those people and say, I get why you got scammer. Why you got the Forex trading? I don't need to know what Guatemalan dollar is on the dollar right now, but someone told you you can make $200 right now. You're going to do that because you need that $200. That's why you have payday loans. I need that money right now. I don't know the terms and conditions and everything. And it's tough because I want to save, but at the same time, that's that person's situation. They need that. Like Sometimes people need these things and it hurts them in the long run. Scammers don't scam, my boy. That's, that's, his, that's his life. Cause they were, that was like, I've seen that on the news too. They were talking about dudes are getting uh, fembotted out of money and stuff like that, out of thousands and thousands of dollars, thinking that they're talking to the, of course, he's the most beautiful girl that you've ever seen. And she says that she loves you and can you send her something so that she can buy the ticket to come fly out to wherever you're at and things like that. Like people, people want these type of interactions, like, like human to human interaction is what people are still need and that's part of life and that's very important but now that we have the technology we can insert the technology into that person to person interaction and they're doing it in a malicious way actually so that they can take advantage of people because these people if they had those interactions naturally in their lives then they wouldn't have to seek it online or to, you know what I mean? Like if you, if they had, if everybody had significant others, then there would be no online dating. So if there was like, if there was these, if there was these basically, what am I trying to say? If there are these um, resources out there for the people, then they wouldn't be getting scammed. But since they aren't, this is a easy opportunity for somebody who has, who's being predatorial and, and taking advantage of people. Despite how people act online, this isn't high school. This is real adult grown-up life. We have notes and bills and responsibilities. Like, we don't have time for grifts and grabs. I mean, this is why I gave everyone some shopping tips at the top of the show for the holidays. People are trying to stretch their funds. And the average American can't afford to throw some money at someone on social media 
asking for money. I mean, especially someone who lacks legitimate expertise in that field of human endeavor. I mean, you wouldn't get dental work done by your barber. Well, wait now, some of y'all yeah, would. Will, some of y'all yeah. would. Yeah. I did games. a show at the top of the year <laughs> with my, my realtor friend, Terry, and on that show, he told you all, don't be buying houses without a real estate agent. I'm going to take it even a step further, and then I'm going to move along because we have more topics. Stop giving these imps and simps your hard-earned money just because they're popular. Stop sacrificing quality, safety, and security. Remember the Simpsons had that Halloween episode where the ads came to life, and they were like, just don't look, just don't look. Like, the Simpsons be knowing that. <laughs> and stop flocking to these narcissists on social media. Just stop. They're going to leave you holding the bag. If the nigga talking fast and he can't put shit in black and white, red motherfucking flag. Lie to get by, choose to confuse. But see, that's what you all love. You don't want facts and experts. You want fast and easy. That's how you got gooped and gagged at that financial expo. Better stop giving those shifty-difty charlatans your money. It'll end your life. Beware the conscious folks, too. But you know, literacy plays a part in people getting caught up in scams. People don't read. Either they don't know how to, or they don't feel like it. And for the latter, their ignorance leads to their detriment. Like I said earlier, don't invest in anyone or anything that doesn't give you interest. Oh, and to any of you frauds who choose to respond to what I've said on here, be wise, because my show comes up in my search results. Scammer comes up in yours. Remember that. That article, by the way, um, was from Popular Mechanics. We, we reference all kinds of sources here at the Chris David Show. But I just, I just hate seeing us get taken advantage of. I, I hate it, especially by greedy motherfuckers who have more than enough. But anyway. How do you feel I'm, about GoFundMe's? And rent. GoFundMe's, do I believe there'll be calls? There'll so be everything. GoFundMe. Here's the thing with GoFundMe. Because I, I, I've had people on who have GoFundMe's and they're truly raising money for a cause, you know, like something unfortunate happened in their lives, you know. It depends on where it's coming from. If you're coming from a pure place, if you're coming from somewhere where, you know, you like you had an event in your life, something unfortunate happened and you truly need help, okay, fine. But I'm not doing a GoFundMe for you um, to buy your kid, uh, you know, a PS5. Because your kid doesn't need a PS5. I'm not doing a GoFundMe for you for a Goyard bag. I'm not. You know, like, I'll tell you guys a story. A friend of my sister um, had ended up being, she was in danger of being evicted. My brother-in-law says, why are y'all donating to her GoFundMe? Tell her to sell some of those handbags she's got. She's got over a thousand handbags. So, I mean, anyway, what did you two do for Thanksgiving? Well, I'm here in Orlando, so um, I flew out. So I have family here in Florida and um, we every other year we we try to bring all of us because it's hard to get some of us are in New York, Pennsylvania. It's hard to get us all together, bring the band back together. So um, every other year we uh, have Thanksgiving and we we rent the rent the the party house a nice uh, big airbnb with five five to seven rooms everybody has their own room the kids get to jump in the pool and we all have a we have a instead of it being cold we have a nice hot florida thanksgiving love it 
Nice. Kai, what about you? Bar, food, sleep. <laughs> nice. And then, you know, get up the next day and hang out with me. Um, yeah. So for me, we went to my cousin's house. We Trini, so we had a lot of curry everything. Um, it was nice. You know, we played games, drank brown liquor, had a good time. Shout out to my cousin Michelle and her husband Matt and all my cousin Season's greetings, but more like Season's beatings. Y'all thought that Timberwolves game was wild? Wait till I tell you what went on at Walmart this morning. But anyway, we have another letter. We have another letter. You guys, you, re you guys ready for this one? Let's get it. All right. So this young lady named Anonymous, she's 22, and she's from Joey's neck of the woods, uh, Long Island. Okay. She says, I really don't know how to say this, but I've been dealing with this guy from my job that I liked, really liked a lot. We've been on dates, and he's met my friends and family. After we had sex, he turned on the lights unexpectedly and kept gazing at it. Ooh. I asked him what he saw or if something was wrong. He asked me if I had ever been in an accident or something. I asked him what kind of accident and told him just get to the point. He said, how come I'm one color and my girl is darker? I told him not everyone is the same color all over and that our nipples usually tell what color we are down there. He laughed and said, but you are light. I just didn't expect it to be so ugly. Disrespectful. Like, full <laughs> stop. Disrespectful. So I cried for the first time ever after sex. I've never been so hurt by someone I cared about before. Now everything is awkward because we haven't spoken since that day and we work together. What should I do? And I'm going to just say this. They don't pay me enough for this. So one of you guys, just go. Just take it away. I never seen an ugly. I didn't. I didn't know that a kitty could be ugly. Their their body parts. You know what I mean. They're. That's like. A, I don't know. That's kind of crazy. Honestly, what what I had conversation with my friends because it's crazy how the world works. So the rise of like Twitch streamers and all these influencers and stuff is creating a new type of incel. Right? There's men don't know how to interact with women or even see what a woman looks like. Right? So let's see a soft clip online. One of Kai Sense boys had a stream and he picked, put a picture of a girl who was thick, cute, all that. People in the comments like, oh, she's ugly, she's this, she's fat. He goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what a real woman looks like? You're so used to Instagram models and all these different things and the porn. You don't actually know how to talk. Even the term res, right? I hate this term res because I'm like, oh, you're resing up. You mean talk to a woman? Because I'm actually engaging and say, hey, I like you, you want to go out? Oh, he got the riz. He's talking to the newer generation. How do you man. even spell that? Is it R I Z Z? Yes. Yeah, Riz. Yeah. Z. And that's God, the thing. You're making a new classification of black incels because they never had to interact with black women in general. So when they see someone in real time, it's not what they expect, right? It's not the Pornhub, it's not the Instagram, it's not the DMs, it's none of the stuff I saw online. It's a real natural woman and they know how to react. So you're getting comments at 22. Who is he following, right? Who is he listening to to say, this is wrong about your body that she grew up with, right? What is this, what is he, where is he coming from? So I just look at it the fact of there's honestly wrong with the generation where no one knows what natural looks like anymore. I think it's also another thing about it is that when you're, if you're going into a, a like a sexual encounter for the first time, you, you might like, if you have a bump down, like let's say that you have a pimple by your crotch area, somebody might be like, oh, that might be a disease. Like, no, it's just a pimple. But 
I've never seen your anatomy before, so I don't know what that is. That could be foreign to me or it could be normal. But that might be the way that he him saying is ugly, that's being disrespectful. He just he went straight for the he went straight for the touchdown with that. But I like he might not have been used to it. Like some some kitties are some kitties are like have big lips, some don't. Some are some are like nice and nice and like look like plastic, you know, like they look like the pornos and some of them look like like whatever they look like they all they, you know what i mean they are like a they're a flower they look all different so he might be used to ones that look naturally different but i mean that's not to say it's ugly or not but he went for it though that's kind of that's kind of very uh, bold of him to I go i think for we it. need to acknowledge the obvious though and and this is what i want to know so if you're watching i want you to let me write me back is she dealing with a non-black man because I'm not really seeing too many of us brothers calling something that we've just been up in ugly just because it's dark. And then again, I'm from a different era. Like, I didn't partake in that misogynoir on early Twitter. But anyway, Anonymous, I'm sorry you had to deal with this. I think you need to move on. Let him find someone who's monochromatic or thin or has light eyes or a fatty or whatever physical attributes he deems pretty. And you're 22. As a much older man, I'm just going to tell you, you don't need to change yourself to anyone. If he doesn't love you for who you are, he doesn't love you. And you know what you do to Anonymous? Find someone who can't stop looking at it. Because trust me, he's out there. And I just, like, guys, I can't believe that in 2023, 2024, people are still weaponizing things that, about people that they can't change. I mean, like, this is why people cheat hard body. Like they're with someone who has something they don't like. And instead of just breaking up, they go out and cheat with the person who has what they think they like. All the while, the issue is within themselves. Y'all got to ignore those narcissists, man. But anyway, Anonymous, write us back. Let us know if this guy you're messing with is black. And for fuck's sake, stop dating people at work. Speaking of <laughs> cheaters, speaking of cheaters, do you guys watch that show, Cheaters? Uh, not since he got home. Since they stabbed him. Nah, that was the last time. Yeah. Oh, Peter Guns is hosted. This shit is hilarious. Oh, it is. So, so listen, Guns. so listen, so listen. So the hosts, they instigate like crazy. And rest in peace to uh the guy Clark Gable. Um, but he put the battery in this one guy's back. He was like, he was like this IT guy. And he had like these 300, these big Coke bottle glasses, like 300 time mag magnification. So <laughs> He had homie amped up. So he busts up in the crib and he pushes the guy who his girl is cheating with. He pushes, pushes his head into the pissy toilet. And then there's another episode. Now, this is, this is a Peter Guns episode. And it's this, this Wale looking guy. And he got this guy so fired up that they almost come to blows. Like Peter's in the phone. Like he's showing me the tablet. He's showing him the video. And he's like, yeah, he feeling all up on your girl and, and, and sliding her to D. And homie just huh? loses it. Like he just like loses it. But what, but what really gets me though with cheaters is how they stay lying on the phone. Like they don't even try. Cause there's this one episode, an old girl was on her knees on some hookers at the point type shit. And she's like, oh, she's like, I'm at the supermarket with my grandma. Like, what the, what the hell? But shout out to Dallas though, because that's where the, a lot of the, the cheaters are. Um, do you guys that's watch nice. House Hunters though? Speaking of shows, do you guys watch House Hunters? No, no, I can't afford it. I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I 
good one. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, House Hunter is one of my favorites, though. Like, I like Little John had a show too. Um, um, I can't remember the name of the show, but on the weekend on the OWN channel, um, they show like all the episodes with like black home buyers, and I think that's really dope. But here's the thing with with what I what I've noticed: people bring the wrong friends and family with them to see these houses. Like they end up projecting their insecurities onto them and, and, you know, onto their search. And another thing I noticed, like people like be so adamant about getting fixer uppers. Like there was this homeless couple and they picked the fixer upper instead of picking the house that was just like moving ready. That was maybe like 10 grand more, but the fixer upper, they're going to have to put like 30 grand into. And I just don't think that first time home buyers should be fixing up a home. But you know they brought uh, cribs back too, MTV cribs. I seen that. Yeah, I seen yeah. that. They did bring cribs. I mean, now listen. I'm gonna say this: Red Man had the best episode in cribs history. Are ah, you laughing? Because you remember Red Man's episode. It was he, real. It was real. He did. But I, I just think. But this is my thing. I just think that bringing back cribs now. In, in this economy that we're living in is just a little tone deaf because mortgage rates are like seven, eight percent. Like most people can't swing that or like, Kai, you mentioned you in Brooklyn, you can't buy no house. I mean, most people can't do the, the down payment. It's just like MTV is just like grabbing for straws at this point anyway. I mean, but they, is it is, is the home. new crib? Do they own the houses or are they that's not the houses? That's the thing. My, See, my that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. I don't I don't think that they Knowing how celebrities operate, I don't think that they do actually own these homes. I think that they may be just like rented or they may be Airbnbs that they're staying at or some shit. But anyway, MTV, I got a show idea for you. So holla at your boy. But I'm going to tell you guys this. Somebody DM me. 